Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? We are alive with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 256. KB and Matt coming at you live from Underground Studios. Before we get started, got to give a shout out to our amazing local sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, our kick-ass merch provider, Design Tree. Go check out our new Let's Dance shirts. Shout out to Joel Farabee. Uh, all of your Philly sports merch in our Design Tree storefront, dsgntree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia, and use the promo code DSGN5. Saves you five bucks at checkout on your order. And then, of course, our friends over at Tomahawk Shades, doing the damn thing all orders right now 75 dollars and over qualify for free shipping and save yourself some money with our promo code usp cuts 25 percent off your entire order at checkout what's going on man living the dream two weeks straight in the studio and uh the flyers are the one seed get kicked off in a little less than an hour against the montreal Canadiens, and uh we're dancing. We are. And top seed, like you said, which isn't as meaningful in this one because you're, you're reseeded after each round. So uh, you'll always be playing the lowest seed. But just the way that this tournament works, I, I don't think even if you're playing the lowest seed, you're still probably going up against a tough team. But Flyers have looked very good. When we talked last, they had only won their first opening game. And we were talking about if they could play the capital as well with Brian Elliott, that would be a positive sign. Well, they did, and then they went and just strangled the Lightning as well. I think it says a lot about the quality of this team that they were able to come back after this long layoff and have such a strong, you know, three real games, right? They beat the Penguins in that exhibition game, and then, you know, their their round robin went incredibly well, outscoring, and mind you, this is the three best teams. This, is one, this wasn't just, you know, a string of decent games here. These are the three best teams in, in their conference uh, that they outscored 11-3 to and looked, for my money, incredibly comfortable in those games, too. It wasn't particularly close in a lot of them. Um, they, I think they absolutely outplayed each of those teams in, in all those games, and that has to be particularly inspiring. And for me, I think one of the most underrated parts of sports is that you can gather momentum, and we've seen so many times in lots of different you know, major leagues, but hockey and baseball the two that stick out the most to me with this that if you can just get hot right before the playoffs how many times have we seen teams go on run and even win right. championships that way saw uh, last year with st louis blues exactly you know where yeah and that's that's actually a great example right because 
you know, they were in a worse situation than the Flyers were in, say, back in January, December of that year, where they looked maybe not even like a playoff team and they turn it around. Whereas the Flyers looked like they're going to be a playoff team, but really took another step forward now. And it's at such a sustained level that it's no longer a flash in the pan for me. Like, you know, just had a great second half of the season. When you're able to come back and under these circumstances play the way they have and dominate it again, the three other best teams in the conference and around Robin, uh, that confirms to me that this is a team that is has quality and I think has a very real chance of, of making and winning the Stanley Cup this year, right? I mean, you'd have to say they're one of the favorites. Um, I mean, when you're the number one seed, you should always be that. But people are still sleeping on the Flyers, too. I think locally everyone's kind of got on the bandwagon, but when you look at, like, national conversation about them, they definitely give them the respect for that they've played well, but no one's really picking them still, and that almost, I think, makes me happier. Yes. <laughs> I personally, you know, if all of our just collective hearts get broken, that's fine, but, like, I don't want it to also have been because of you know, getting picked by national guys to, to win the Stanley Cup. Plus, we experienced what pain and existential dread of national media picking our teams to win over the last calendar year and how that's gone. So I'm glad that we're kind of floating under the radar with the national media. But, you know, you look at, like you said, they, they flat out dominated Boston, Washington, and Tampa – uh, winning by more than one goal in each game. And two of the games, Carter Hart, essentially his playoff debut, if you want to call it that, sure. But, like, going into tonight's game, I am fully confident, even more than I would have been, just by how he's performed in these two games. Because if, if you would have expected any playoff jitters from Carter Hart, it would have been in that Boston game. First time kind of in that spotlight 21 years old people forget how young Carter Hart really is and he looked like a 10-year veteran out there playing against one of the best teams in the league I am all like not that I wasn't all aboard but like Carter Hart looks poised for the moment yeah and and tonight and for the rest of the series they'll go up against Carey Price one of the best goaltenders in the league and has been for a long time now and I don't think you'll be able to tell a difference in terms of just their swagger and how they carry themselves between the two. And I think that's a obviously credit to Price, but also a credit to Carter Hart and how mentally and, and uh, the confidence that he has in himself uh, to perform that way is incredible. Uh, being a goaltender is, you know, one of the most stressful jobs, I'm sure. So much is, is you know, um, heavy on your shoulders when, when you have that burden. So for me, just to see the composure that he has at such a young age, you know, coupled with the extreme talent is, is huge. And, and you can say that about a lot of the young guys on this team. I mean, you know, it sucks for me to say this, but I, this is what I hope the Sixers would be at this point. Uh, you know, a great blend of, you know, really awesome young talent and they have some mainstay guys, you know, like your Forecheck and your Giroux, right, and Couturier. Like these guys you've seen for years now and rooted for are still there and carrying this team in some ways, but you have this younger group that you've been waiting to see start to get bedded in, actually performing really well for this team. And and you look at even the, the goals scored, you know, it hasn't been the big-name guys. It hasn't been any of those Drew has zero think. points. Yeah, and that is, I wouldn't say worrying, but, you know, if you had said, just said, uh, going after it, you know the the three round robin games, you know Drew has no points. Uh, Voracek I think missed what two games or one game. 
Um, and has one point. Yeah, like Cooch, like you, like if you if you had said that, we probably would have been like, all right, so we probably so we're the four one, seed. One. Yeah, you know. Um, but the fact that we've been sort of carried through offensively by fringe guys, really, and depth has been fantastic. And this Flyers team, I think, is incredibly deep, you know, and it's not just because of what we've seen, but we've seen it all season that um, we certainly have more rotation options than I think we're used to having, and that's fantastic to have. And I think there's just so much to be excited about with this team, and it feels good. It feels good to have a Philly sports team that is, like, genuinely fun to watch and has a legitimate chance to win their their championship you know the last time i felt this kind of eagerness was uh, the eagles in, yeah. in 2017 honestly um the sixers there were moments you know where you were really really pumped for them but it was never never felt truly sustained it always felt like all right next year this is where it builds and it hasn't uh the flyers i mean this has been fantastic and to see them like i said come back after this long layoff and come right back, and they don't look any different. You know, they they probably even look a little sharper. Actually, mm-hmm. um, defensively, they've been fantastic. And again, I can't stress this: this is against the three best teams in the conference. Like this is, th- those are as tough of games as you're gonna get, and they handled them very, very well. So, I think this team is poised, and um, I hope those words don't bite me. But I think the Canadians should be. I won't call them an easy out, but this is. Based on the, if we see the same fires we just did in the, that round robin, I think there should be no issue with them handling the Canadians in the first round. We'll see what comes of, of the next round, right? Because that's where it gets more tricky. If you have to play, say, the Hurricanes or the Islanders or something, those are tougher teams, I think, for the Flyers. But the Canadians, in my mind, I think should be you should be moving on against them absolutely. Yeah, and I've been I've said it too. As soon as the Canadians won uh, their series against Pittsburgh, I said, you know. This should be an easier road for the Flyers to beat the Canadians, but you also have to take into account, like, they just upset the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like, they're not going to just, you know, kneel over because you're the one seed. Like, you're going to have to play. Um, and I saw an interesting tweet, too, and I brought this up to Dylan on the last episode we did. Uh, I forget who tweeted it, but they said, in in the case of the Flyers, like, the Canadians have the least amount of talent on paper, but the way they play is a more difficult matchup for the Flyers than if the Flyers would have ended up being the two seed and if Toronto would have won. Toronto, on paper, has the most talent across the board offensively, but it's a better matchup for the Flyers. Toronto's mentally weak, as we've seen. Yes. <laughs> you know, and let's not forget, the Canadians one of the very few teams to say that they've beaten the Flyers on home ice this mm-hmm. year, too, by the way, in regulation as well. Like, that's not something a lot of teams have done, so it's not like... You know, we've had this wild success. You know, you look at the games this year, and they've all been pretty close. Um, certainly by no means have the Flyers had an easy time against them, and they're hot as well. You know, they obviously just they had a very difficult series, right, but they won the final two games. They're coming in with all the confidence in the world. Um, and I don't think the pressure's really on the Flyers yet. Uh, you know, again, I don't, I don't think they have that kind of national tension. But if they get past this round, then you're going to, I think, start seeing that. So from there, I, I don't know that there's much of a mental break there but I think speaking to that the mental composure of this team has been fantastic and again I think that what what leads me to believe that especially again when you come back after a long layoff like this and look no different that to me points to what has been a great turnaround in the culture and the feeling of this team and I don't think that's down to just AV I I don't think that's down to just Kevin Hayes I think that's just a total kind of I don't want to get too dramatic here but it feels like a rebirth of this team right it feels like all right 
same characters, right? You know, for the most part, with new additions, and they've improved. And now we can we can feel better about this team. And I feel like just the the confidence and the grit of this team <laughs> is there. You know, and you know maybe that sounds cliche or like really lofty, whatever, but. I just think uh, this team has definitely what it takes to, to go far. And again, when they've had the success already and you haven't had the big names even available or, or firing all all, cinder, all cylinders, you trust Claude Giroux at, at mm-hmm. a point to start really producing, right? Vorchek's supposed to be back tonight, apparently. Couturier. is going to continue playing very well. Like when you, when you have those things kind of in your back pocket, when you've been re- relying on like raffle and and you know like to get you through like and joel farabee stepping yeah, in for michael raffle exactly, now like you you expect now that those guys are going to start filling in where where they're actually supposed to right your stars are going to take over and um i feel like this this could definitely be at the start of a really fun run uh for the flyers yeah i mean and you brought up the defense like they're playing exceptionally well from provorov to phil myers scoring goals uh, to even a once, you know, thrown out on a uh, deserted island, Shane Gossespierre playing well. Like, it's almost like there was no layoff for this team, and they just picked up right where they left off and just hit some sort of super boost because every single person, with maybe the exception of one or two guys right now, is playing at a an elite caliber level. Yeah, and, and you watch them and you just think, Wow, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it really it really does feel like they have come back with just such rhythm and groove. Like it, they look like they're playing, you know, like February hockey still, right? Where it's like they've been doing this the last few months. They're in a a, a a groove now. They all have an understanding. There's it feels like the chemistry hasn't left at all, and I think that's really hard to just do and, and pick up after this long break and in these kind of weird circumstances, right? Where they're playing with no fans and you're with the bubble, you're not seeing your family, right? But they found a way to do it, and, um, you know, it sucks, but I hope they don't get to see their families for a little while yeah. longer because, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, but this, um, I mean, I, again, I, I'd like to also just commend the NHL on what they've yes. done with, with this entire, you know, restart program has been amazing. Um, the playoff hockey is certainly not disappointed <sighs> either. Like, the, the people on the ice have not, have certainly <laughs> have certainly been giving us more than we could ask for. We had almost two full games last night and within one game um and then another overtime today it's been really really fun start to the playoffs a lot of a lot of stories and a lot of back and forth but i think it it, with this kind of format you can expect upsets though and that's the only thing with the flyers right i mean you would not have expected the canadians to be in this situation and here they are so you can't you certainly can't let your your foot off the gas here because in some ways we've talked about how the Flyers this feels like the same season for them right but for other teams like the Canadians this could be a restart for them mm-hmm. this is their chance this is like a new season when you consider the layoff as well i mean this is their their shot now to to get in and make a playoff run for themselves so um, you certainly can't count them out I, I i don't think but again if the Flyers play like they did in that round robin i don't think we should be too worried i think this should be a comfortable series for them. Yeah, and I mean, this is a team also that came out today that one Oscar Lindblom is with the team. He's still in quarantine. But that's another, you know, added reinforcement to this team, and he was playing exceptionally well before he went out. Like, just adding to this, like, storybook Flyers season that is so on brand for this Flyers team where – 
you're playing well. Uh, you know, then Oscar Lindblom unfortunately gets diagnosed with cancer out of nowhere on a, a routine doctor's visit. He's out. Now you have a, an added purpose for playing. You're playing well. A worldwide pandemic hits, and now you're playing your playoffs in a bubble, and Lindblom potentially has an opportunity to come back as quickly as he has. It's 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 a book in the making. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the motivation is all there for the players, I think, and... Um... Again, I think it's just that mentality that they have right now, which is, you know, you, you look back. They, it, so they've obviously had a long break, right? But they, this is a team that's been on such an unreal streak now that it's not even a streak anymore. You know that this is they're just this good, and I think we have to live with that. You know, you could say back in February, right? Oh, the Flyers have gained this many points in this amount of time since then. Well, now it's like it's a little ridiculous to be doing that. One because of the layoff, but two because we just accept now that yeah they are one of the best teams in hockey you know that's that's just what they are it's it's no longer just a, a fun little stat and about how good they've been lately no this team is just very good and again i i'm really looking forward to them starting back up tonight it's been too long since i've been this invested in playoff hockey um you know so so to have like the flyers back as a real contender it doesn't feel like you're just kind of waiting on that second round exit it feels like there's there could be something greater here and that's to me really exciting yeah um they kicked off in almost a half hour and starting on time which is nice yes uh i tweeted earlier during the uh the bruins and hurricanes game i said can somebody please take the buffalo wild wings hashtag not a sponsor uh button out of the hands of the nhl and B-Dubs tweeted back at me and said, nah, fam. Uh, so we could be in store for more uh, overtime hockey across the board. And I got a lot of uh, Flyers fans anxious last night during that uh, five-overtime <laughs> Tampa Bay-Columbus game. And so could you imagine if the Flyers were playing the opening playoff game and went into uh, four overtimes? Well, I would not have been awake. I, <laughs> I, I'm actually really mad because I uh... – I fell asleep. I decided to actually turn the game off like a few minutes into the fifth overtime because I was like, you know what? I feel like this is going to go on forever. And I remember looking at like the time on the game when I turned off. I think it was like 14 minutes left or something, and they scored like three minutes later. So that's a bummer. I would have liked to have seen it live, but yeah, I would not have made it. <laughs> There's, no, <laughs> There's chance, no way. Especially an 8 o'clock start time. I'll be lucky if I make it to the second intermission. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, the hockey's been fantastic. Shout out to the NHL, like we've been saying for the past couple weeks now. Um, they've just done a fantastic job with getting everything back under control and getting this thing off seamlessly for the most part. Um, now let's talk about the team that just causes us that existential dread, the Philadelphia 76ers. I was not sure which, uh, which that, surname true. is going to follow. There. Uh, it is officially locked in, they are the sixth seed. Uh, they will face the Boston Celtics in round one. Joel Embiid is playing tonight, Wednesday night, against the Raptors. Um, ben Simmons is no longer in the bubble, so we know now with this NBA rollout plan to bring in uh, family members that Kendall Jenner will be at the Suns games. Uh, the NBA was doing so well. Yeah, I don't. So well. I, I get it sucks being away from your family, but, I mean, you're about to have, like, half the teams be done yep. anyway and be out of the bubble. I know it's after the first round, so, but I just, I think it's, 
he's a little dumb. I, I, I get it. I get the inspiration. Um, I liked what the Suns did where they had, like, their family members. That was awesome. That was really, really cool. Uh, like, announced their, their entrance into the game. But um, it seemed it, this feels like a potential mistake. Um, we may not even have to worry about that for the Sixers because who knows if we make that first round. Very true. <laughs> we are currently beating the Raptors, though, which is uh, – a minor miracle in of itself, I guess. But granted, OG and uh, Serge Ibaka are not playing tonight. So right. everyone else is still, you know, we got to take our wins where we can. Yes. They're 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 still fielding everyone else. But Nick Nurse is also not coaching. Yes, either. they passed the duties off tonight, I guess. But um, yeah, Ben Simmons out for the season uh, with. I'm not sure what the injury actually was. They said he was cleaning out a body in his. Yeah, knee. He had a loose body in his knee following Which, the dislocation of his not, knee great sounding to me especially after Woj said and sham said that uh the mri came back clean which i do have experience with dislocating my knee my mri did come back clean but there is potential following that that there can be you know follow up and find different things um so i wasn't shocked to find out that ben simmons was going to be having season-ending surgery uh on his knee yeah so not great, uh, all things considered, when you're gearing up for the playoffs and you're going to have a very tough first series against the Celtics. And if you make it out of that, you're going to have likely a very tough series against the Raptors. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been uh, a rough watch in the bubble again. And the Sixers, I think should take some notes from their Wells Fargo uh, roommates and realize that, hey, maybe changing your coach or changing your GM is a good idea. Maybe, you know, maybe you have the pieces already and you need just a different person to look at the the, the puzzles there and figure it out because I um, it's obviously not working. We all know that this season is not going to end the championship. I'm, I consider myself an optimist and I, I don't yeah. I don't see it. I think even a, a conference finals appearance right now seems very unlikely. unlikely. And that was even I think even before the Ben Simmons injury, if I'm being honest. So, yeah, for me, this is this is more about looking towards the future and how this team worms its way out of the mess that it's gotten itself in. And I think it starts with Elton Brand. I think last summer was an absolute disaster. I think if you're going to trade what you did to Jimmy Butler to not re-sign him, is a fireable offense in of itself. I think giving that deal to Al Horford is a fireable offense in of itself. Um, I think not addressing the fact that we have just a huge team and not getting anyone who could, you know, dribble a ball and have shot creation on their own is borderline fireable. Um, and it's just it, it's 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 frustrating as a fan, right? Because you've now we're gonna be a sixty. That's not why we tanked. That's not why we we watched. All these terrible players for four years. It's where we were before that, right? You know, we're you know now we just have better stars, but our you know, you would say our, our surrounding cast isn't that much better than like the show you love era, like you yeah. know, like what you know. Obviously, Embiid's better than Iguodala was, but I don't know. We had Lou Williams on that team. I'd love Lou Williams <laughs> on this team. So I just think, for me, this is about the future of the Sixers and what they do, and the problem is they've. They're in Cap Hill now. You know, you've you've gone all in with this team that doesn't look like it can win in its current shape and form. 
Now, you obviously have the draft to look forward to still, right? And there are some, like, implications with getting the OKC pick tonight. I think we need the Thunder to win. And I think one other thing needs to happen for that to ha- mm-hmm. for that to convey. But um, that could obviously help, of course. And we'll, we'll see where it goes. There's obviously things to be hopeful about for the future of the Sixers, right? You know, they still have young stars. And they've shown the ability to draft well. You know, they... they they got Shamit right. We all love him. I think he's still a great player. I wish he was still on the team. Um, and you were able to get Matisse, who's also been a really like impactful player for us. So it's certainly not unlikely that they could hit again this year, right? And that could be another piece to, to add to this this puzzle. But, I mean, <laughs> it's just it's still rough. <laughs> and I think, honestly, I think heads need to and will roll this summer. Um I've been a Brett Brown, I think, defender at times through this season. I, I don't know what he has left. I think the one thing I've always hung my hat on with him is that he's a great culture guy. I don't think the culture's ever been worse on this team. You hear guys publicly saying that the chemistry sucks or sucked or that it still sucks. Um, and you have, you know, arguing is normal, but I feel like we see just way too much bickering mm-hmm. on the sidelines with guys. I think confidence looks terrible. And if that's your one thing that we know you can do well and it isn't working anymore and your in-game adjustments are crap, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, he, he can't get Ben Simmons to shoot a three, right? He thinks the way to do that is publicly challenging him. That doesn't work. I, you know, if he was truly like the the whisperer like we hope he is, I think we would have seen development like that. But I, I don't think he is. And I love Brett Brown, but yeah. I just, I don't know that he's the guy anymore. Um. How much of this coaching staff do you think survives? It's tough to say. I, I don't know who would be interested in, in vulturing anyone on, on the coaching staff now. Um, I would certainly not be surprised at all to, to, to definitely not see Brett Brown back. Um, I think Brett is probably the most likely to be gone. I would love for Elton to be gone as well. And that's mm-hmm. no disrespect to Elton, right. right? Great player, like love him. But he's. Uh, I was baffled when he got this job. My only worry is that this team has shown a real ambition to just hire from within. Mm-hmm. And I would worry that, that that's not solving any issues, right? You know, when you have, you know, a, a toxicity and you remove just a piece of that and allow something new to grow out of that and take control, you're not, you haven't changed anything, really. Nope. You've just given it a new face. And I don't think Elton Brand has done anything better than Colangelo did. And I don't think Brett Brown has accomplished anything that another coach couldn't. And I hope that we don't go the route of just hiring some, you know, Stan Van Gundy, right? You know, we don't we don't hire one of these Mark Jackson types. Like, I hope we go, and, and what has been proven to be a true change for teams is looking for someone all on the edges, right? Someone unknown or maybe a guy that's um, just kind of, you know, an ex-player type that you think could be successful, like a Steve Kerr, right? Like, out-commentating games and you think... This guy could work, right? Nick Nurse, great example, right? Obviously, I don't think he's the best coach in the mm-hmm. world, but he won a championship. Won a championship. He was able to guide that team to a ring. That's impressive. And this was a guy that, before that, I don't think many people would have heard of Nick Nurse, right? Like, he's not. he wasn't a household name. Even now, you could say he's not. So, for me, that's the type of hire that I'd hope we get. I, I don't want to see a big name. I want to see someone that I haven't heard of. That's what I would love. I would love it if I hear a name and I'm like, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> I would actually love that. Make us do some research. Yes, make me Google um, I, You know, this team is just, it's been 
You can say it, it sucked. <laughs> it, it, it's not even that. It's It's been beyond sucked. Like, the the expectations of this team coming into the season were so high. Uh, and for it to just fall flat on its face like it has time and time and time again. Like, there's just no more excuses. That's that's the, the overarching issue is that there are no more excuses for why this team is as bad and as inconsistent as they are for the talent that is on this roster. Yeah, the goodwill has left the station right now. And the troubling thing is as well, you know, and we talked about this last summer, is it's not like this conference is getting easier. Right. It's it's not like our division especially is getting easier. You know, let's not forget that the Durant's going to be back this season coming up now. Um, so that's the Nets, which are going to be a, a lot more difficult to face. The Celtics are a young team. They're only going to improve. The Raptors, likely the same. I mean, that's that's already three competitors in, in your conference doing very well. And you struggle with Indiana. You struggle. Indiana's going to leapfrog you this year, which realistically should not be happening. We were... We should absolutely be better than the Pacers, no doubt about it in my mind. And they have young talent. Bucks are not going anywhere, right? They're, they're obviously going to continue to be great. Orlando's trending upwards. I mean, you're talking now, like, where do the Sixers even fit in in this puzzle? Like, sixth seed is almost, like, uh, flattering to them, you yeah. know, the, the way that they've played at times this season. And we've talked about the road uh, record, right, and just how just Also didn't even mention that. Miami. Yeah, Miami. Yeah, well, to me, <laughs> that place is dead to me. <laughs> um, but it's true. You know, Miami's another team that isn't going anywhere. Like, they're they're continually a competitive team and are always going to be looking to add pieces, as we saw And it's last just a, it's a destination town, too. Exactly. And so where does this team fit in in, in this landscape now? And I, I don't I don't know. And, and, again, when you talk about this road record as well, like, what a – just disgusting record that is. I mean, again, it's not abnormal to obviously have a better home record, but I mean, just it's historically bad. I think they were saved by the pandemic that it wasn't going to be historically bad. And it's just, it's inexcusable. And I think uh, I think big change is needed. I think the, the two names I'd like to see replaced uh, for, for this season coming up is Brett Brown and Elm Brand. But then, you know, you're just turning over at such an incredible rate now, too, where you worry about changing too much and all this, but I, what I think, does that do for Ben and Embiid? Right. I, I think though we need, we need a change. And yeah. it's, I think Brett is quote unquote easiest to change, right? It's always easiest just to you know find a new coach, right? And try something new that way. But philosophically, I think this team is, is pretty screwed. And I think this starts with the ownership group as well. Who just are, you know, reported as the headliner to uh, be part of the ownership group buying the Mets. Good luck. Shocker. The, the Mets get everything they deserve. Um, you know, so for me, I you know, it starts with them and, and just how poorly they've they've handled uh, the process, right? There's no reason in my mind saying Hanky shouldn't still be here, but that's that's old. I don't wanna I don't wanna reopen those wounds, but yeah, this team, um it's not what we signed up for in, no. in twenty thirteen, was it? <laughs> this is not what I was no. hoping. I used to tell everyone. I used to say all the time 2020 is the year the Sixers won an NBA championship. I was in my mind. That's what I thought. I was like, "That's a realistic window when this is all going to come together." And I think I just got the wrong, the wrong team from the Wells Fargo Center. I think maybe it was just the Flyers, and I read it wrong. I don't know. Uh, this this team, man. Is it fair to blame Under Armour for Joel Embiid's ankle injury? No, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I will if I have to. 
if that's what needs to be done, if we have to if we have to sacrifice Under Armour, I'll do it. I mean, I feel like we've been trying to sacrifice Under Armour for quite some time, just for the amount of time it took for them to release his shoes. Um, what are your thoughts on the the process ones? They're okay. I'm not like I'm not wild about them. Um, I'm also not like a not really a basketball shoes like type of person. I think some look really nice, mm-hmm. right? You know, but I'm not like the type like I wouldn't definitely would not consider myself like no. a sneakerhead. But yeah, I, I think they're they're fine looking. I personally would not be buying them. I wish they would make some kind of like any kind of really like uh, clothing. You know, like he he's such an interesting guy, Embiid, and like he's yes. so funny, and I think he's so marketable in of itself, like. Why is there not more, like, that we can get? You know? Like, why is there not process shirts or hoodies? I would buy those things. He trademarked the phrase, for crying Under, out loud. Under Armour, do that. <laughs> I will buy it. Like, I won't buy the shoes, but I'll buy a hoodie. Come on. Uh, also, thoughts on Steph Curry mimicking Joel Embiid in the gym, because it was pretty spot on. Yeah. I mean, Steph, if you want to come play in Philly, like... <laughs> the door's open. <laughs> I mean, anytime. I will be your personal Uber. Uh, just don't send Glenn Robinson the thirds. Yeah, his stagecoach. out there. Um, who he is also out again tonight with hip injury. That's great. Love that. Um, last bit on the Sixers. I've personally been very impressed with Tobias Harris since the restart. Tobias You know... Tobias gets a lot of, of flack, yes. and it's ninety-eight percent of he's just contract-related. But he's been our most consistent performer this whole season. Um, I, I'd say besides Embiid, mm-hmm. in that every night he goes out, and again, not deserving the contract he got. That's not his fault, and it's good for him actually. Because you right. know what? At least he's a good dude. You know, yeah. someone's going to get obscenely overpaid. Give Tobias, it to a good person. Cool, I'll take it. Whatever. Um, you know, I. He he has been good, and I think that he's he's again just gotten so much unfair criticism, mm-hmm. um, and, and so much of it just contract based. And I think it's it's almost it reminds me a lot of like the Ryan Howard situation, yes. right? Where obviously he does not have the history that Howard did, and Howard was a much better baseball player relative to Tobias being a basketball player. And Ryan Howard did so much more for the Phillies organization as a whole to kind of earn that contract, but. Ryan Howard got so much flack in that sort of later stage of his career, especially post-injuries, right, where people just kind of ragged on him so much. And, yeah, you know, like, it's just – it wasn't his fault, (laughs) and it never was. And I I wish people would understand that with Tobias. But, yeah, I mean, he's become one of my favorite Sixers for Mm -hmm. sure, and I I love him off the court especially, but on the court as well. I feel like every time I'm watching a game, he he has this ability to just score without you really taking notice. I feel like I'll just, like – look at the third quarter, like, I'll look up, and he has, like, 22 points. I'm like, I don't think I saw him make a shot this game, but okay. <laughs> he's just, he just, he works like that. I think he's just kind of an under-the-radar type of guy. He's not, he's not a particularly flashy player, um, but he's been good. I, I don't think, you know, he's been our best signing. <laughs> he also seems like he's been the glue guy that has kept this strange-ass locker room together somehow. Yeah. Yeah, and everything we know about him is that he seems to be a very, like, good person. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, he has a great relationship with Matisse as well. He seems like he's taken over, uh, like, a good leadership role. And, yeah, I love I love Toby. So, what can you do? <laughs> I, I, I like having him here. I You know, I, I wasn't wild about the trade at the time. I'm still not. But, to be honest, 
at this point, we like I said, we're all in with these guys. We got to learn to love them because <laughs> Lord knows no one's taking these contracts off our hands really. But you know, Tobias at least is being productive still. You know, you you, yeah. you you have to be able to say that that he stills every night giving you what you've you paid for. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's amen. Good for him. JJ Reddick's playoff streak has come to an end. Yeah, dude, long commute, huh? <laughs> long commute from freaking New Orleans to Brooklyn, you snake. Rad. Fantastic stuff. Uh, and Glad also, I can get back to hating JJ right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frickin' denying Kylo Quinn a triple double. And you know what a scene it, when it, when everyone was on the Corkmaz train. I have to say, I was one of the only people to pour some water on that coal. <laughs> and here we are, folks. This is what you get. <laughs> uh, the other team, though, that causes us uh, existential dread, or I should just say the bullpen that causes us that dread. I would actually say it's not even existential anymore. It is just... Pure dread. It is just hopeless l- lethargy. Like, yep. I, I go to turn the Phillies game on now, and I'm just like... What am I doing? (laughs) I'm not going to do this to myself. I did it to myself yesterday, and boy, what a ride it was. Um, I've been listening to them because it's easier to listen to them and not get as pissed off. I will say that. I wanted to throw a remote through the television when uh, Gene Segura ran from third base, tripped on the mound, trying to make that infield pop-up catch. Um, I don't understand what the hell... I do understand, and I've been saying it to people all week long, and we've even said it recently where this is not a manager problem, and it has not been a manager problem for the past couple of years where everyone wanted to scapegoat Gabe Kapler, and sure, Gabe had his shortcomings, Gabe had his faults, but you look at this roster right now and tell me what is different from 2019, what is different from 2018. Not much. Players are worse, actually. Yeah. Like, you you look across the board, almost everyone's regressing. Outside of, like, two guys, (laughs) everyone has been piss poor. Like If this team didn't have Bryce Harper and JT Romito, I I shudder at what they would be. I'd even shudder if they didn't have Didi Gregorius right now. It's true. I don't know if they'd have a win. I I don't know if they'd have a win. If they didn't have those three guys, I don't think they'd have a win. How do you almost blow... A thirteen to one lead. We haven't we haven't had a show since that game, uh, but the fact that they won a game thirteen to eight after it was thirteen to one in the ninth inning, and then you just don't even show up the next day for the doubleheader and spoil Spencer Howard's major league debut, our our chosen son. Uh, and then yesterday, lose a game to the Baltimore Orioles in extra innings and allowed the first ever in Major League history uh, leadoff two-run inside the park home run, along with all the other shortcomings that team had yesterday. It, it is abysmal with how bad this team is right now. It's, it's a tough watch. I mean, the Sixers have been a tough watch, but there's still been some bright spots. This this bullpen is truly a lucid nightmare because it's like it's constantly getting worse 
And, you know, you wake up from a nightmare, and normally you can kind of get your, lull yourself back to sleep and get comfortable. Like, this is like, I'm still awake, and I'm thinking of new ways to terrify myself. And that's this Phillies bullpen. And they are the, they, they're genuinely the worst bullpen I think I've ever seen. Ever. Like, I'm not even just talking, like, Phillies history. Like, I've never watched a baseball team be this bad at one thing, like, so bad at it. And like, consistently bad. Like every, as soon as soon as our starter gets taken off, I'm like, this is it. It's over. If, we, if you don't have at least a seven run advantage at that point, you're done. Say la vie. Pack it in. It's it's it is guaranteed. you are guaranteed with our bullpen to at least at least get five runs at the very least. Easy. On a good when you're catching them on a good day, you are getting that much. Do you do you want a bright spot about this Phillies bullpen? Other than is there one? <laughs> so uh, Jake Kaplan used to used to be on the Phillies beat uh, is now the Houston Astros uh, beat writer for the Athletic. Tweeted uh, a tough gig this year. <laughs> <laughs> tweeted today, the Astros bullpen ranks last in Major League Baseball in win probability added per FanGraphs. Yes, even worse than the Phillies. Last season, the Astros pen ranked third in win probability. Added. So there is a bullpen in some aspect. Worse than the Phillies right now, and I'm kind of glad it's the Astros. Yes, but that sounds like a stat that they made up just to say that the Astros are last at something because everyone everyone likes to kick the Astros right now, and we should, and they should still get kicked. Um, but I go on, uh, how sick to my stomach do I get yep. when I see some when I see the starter walk off, <sighs> and can I even recognize that name? There are guys coming out that I didn't even know were on this roster. Can we just put Diolis Guerra in a rocket ship and send him to the moon? Listen. I have I'm, never. I'm, sh- I'm sure that he's a nice guy. I'm sure he comes from a great family. Yes. I'm sure he's achieved a dream right of playing a baseball. I never want to see that guy oh in, my in a God. Phillies uniform Again. ever in my life. I don't even want to see him in like a Mets uniform. Like He's <laughs> terrible. It is. We, we have, I think... Just the worst bullpen I've ever seen in my life on this team. And it is, it's impossible to win this way. And it is negligence that this was not addressed in the offseason. And it, it, it absolutely needs to be this year. I, I don't know. You cannot get away with it. You absolutely cannot. And I feel for Joe Girardi because you walk into a situation like this, and this isn't – I will keep banging this drum, <laughs> although now it's getting a lot harder because they're failing me. We have the positional players to, to win. But honestly, I don't even know if that's true anymore. I think I'm just lying to myself. I think this team just sucks, and we've all just we've been drinking some kind of weird concoction over the last two years where we think they actually might be good. But no, everything we have just sucks. We have, like, four good players right now. Yep. We have, we have four players I think, yeah, I'd keep them. Like? Scott Kingery. I used to love the guy. I hate Scott Kingery. Here, here's my thing with Kingery. I am kind of just like, whatever happens with Scott Kingery this year – it happens. I feel like there's still some sort of, you know, thing going on with him in an, in the aspect of him recovering from COVID-19. So, like, whatever Scott Kingery does this year, good or bad, like, I'm throwing it out. Try again next year. Like, it's, it's a miracle in and of itself that he's even playing right now. True. And then on top of that, the week layoff we had from the Marlins issue, I think only slowed him down. So... I'm I'm whatever with Scott Kingery right now. Yes, it sucks that he's not even hitting, you know, 100. Um, but the fact that guys like Phil Goslin, who are literally on 
fire. Adam Hazley, who is hitting the cover off the ball, are getting benched every other day. Makes no sense to me. Ride out the hot streaks. Play your hot hands. I don't understand Joe Girardi's fascination with Roman Quinn yeah, being in the starting that lineup. Been, that has been one thing that I've, I thought we were going to see a lot less from Roman Quinn. And the tinkering is very Kapler-esque. Like, that was the one thing we hated yes. about him. Yes. It felt like just over-managing, mm-hmm. right? And just, uh, and just constant shuffling to try and get these margin things. And it's like, what the hell? Reese Hoskins hasn't hit a home run in like 800 years at this point. Like, what are we, what are we doing with Reese? And I love him. I love and, Reese. And, and I wanted him to, and I still think he can, but it's Jesus all mental. Christ. It's I mean, all the, the mental. Guy, the guy is shot right now. Like, he's got a 440 on base percentage, but he's slugging 220. Yeah. Like, it, it's, the only time he gets the base is when he gets walked, and he yeah. only gets walked because of where he hits. <laughs> it's like he is so mentally in his head, and I think it even stems back to our our pitching coach or our hitting coach before you know Charlie Manuel took over. I tried John Maley, uh, ruined him. The whole launch angle thing, the whole uppercut swing. I think it ruined what we had from that you know eighteen home runs in X amount of games from Reese Hoskins his rookie season. Um, you know, and like you said, outside of, you know, Bryce Harper, JT, who I still don't know how he doesn't have a contract extension, DD Gregorius, same thing. How does he not have a contract extension? And, you know, Adam Hazley, I've been impressed with Jay Bruce. You know, he's done what he's here to do. And then a couple, you know, spurts here and there, Phil Gosselin, obviously doing his thing. But other than that, it's been... Like, Andrew McCutcheon is still coming back and trying to kick the rust off. Uh, you know, Gene Segura looks terrible. Like, terrible. What is preventing Alec Bohm from being on this roster right now? Service time. Like, Reese Hoskins <laughs> is struggling. Gene Segura is struggling. There's no doubt in my mind Alec Bohm could be doing a much better job than either of those guys right now hitting the ball. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And I, I just, I don't know what we're waiting for with him. And we've been, we've been this drum for some time. He's our guy. And and beyond that, I don't know what we're waiting for with just not firing our entire bullpen into the sun. I don't know why there wasn't a militaristic effort to get the best you could possibly get this past off season. Dylan Batances was sitting right there. I don't, I don't even know what the, the last. Last season, I think we said we needed four pitchers, right? Not yep. necessarily starting rotation guys, but we just needed four, four arms, and we would have been happy. We got one. We got one. I think to feel comfortable, I need seven Yeah. this year. I mean, because, again, Zach Weir still look good. Aaron Nola's look good. Don't have confidence in anyone else. We'll see what Spencer Howard is like. It's unfair of him to judge him so quickly, right? For the most part, I've had confidence in Hector Neris outside of yeah. that last game. So Nair- but his arm's going to fall off by September right. because we have to pitch him every day. Yes, which is not ideal. And I just, um, I, I'm left speechless so often by this Phillies team and, and not in a good way whatsoever. And it's kind of good that fans aren't allowed because this team <sighs> would get absolutely raked for these performances and by all like 8,000 people that would still be going to games at this point. Even if it was, what, like nine games into the season because they just they stink and they're not they're not it's not even fun to watch them because you just know 
it, it's it's inescapable that as soon as we go to the bullpen, it, the game is over. Uh, again, you you shouldn't have to not have confidence in your team with big big leads like this. It should that shouldn't be how it works. And this is a, a historically bad bullpen that is not it's not getting any better. And what the problem is is it's only going to get worse because this schedule is going to be so compacted over the next few weeks still, and that's without any further possible delays, which, you know, again, every week you're pretty much having new baseball players testing positive, so I'm sure there'll be another team that has to shut down and postpone more games. So that only means you're going to have to depend on the bullpen even more, and it's just it's this, this constant circle of just getting screwed over by the same circumstances that's exhausting. To, to watch with this Phillies team because it, it I I don't know how I, I don't know how I can watch too much more of this because it's just, it's just the same thing it's the same thing every game you get a little excited because you see some offensive production and then it's like it's seven five in the sixth inning and you're like well that's the game <laughs> well for our uh, our mental state Nick Pavetta has been sent to the alternate site so he's in in Lehigh Valley. Uh, and Connor Brogdon got called up, so I'm excited about that because he's at least a high upside, has stuff, and throws hard on like you know half of this Phillies pitching staff. Um, so we'll see what he brings to the bullpen. It's, it's getting to the point where we're like in one of those medieval movies, and they have to like call on like the young boys to like yeah. you know like wield the sword and stuff, and they're like, "Are you strong enough to hold this?" <laughs> like that's what we're doing. It's like, well. We now realize everyone is old and sucks, so you 12-year-old young man are going to have to pitch for the Philadelphia Phillies. What was that movie in the 90s, Rookie of the Year, yes. the kid who like goes into the majors? We need one of those. That's what we need. Yep, big time. We need a 14-year-old phenom to come out. Of <laughs> hey, maybe we could just tank this year. Hey, I'm all about a top 10 pick. pick. anyway. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this this team is just... There's a lot of issues, and we've said it for months and months and months, and they didn't do anything about it. And on just like Elton Brand, for what he's done, not addressing this bullpen when you knew it was the issue going into the season is a fireable offense in and of itself. And if Klentak and Andy McPhail are not gone by the end of the season, there's an issue. Because it's to the point now where there has been three guys that have been drafted under the the Klintak regime that have hit the majors and it's Adam Hazley and Spencer Howard who were in the same draft and our guy Cole Irvin that's it <laughs> like we have not been able to develop talent get it up here in a decent amount of time and there there's been no nothing addressed outside of Bryce Harper to improve this team through free agency and and make this team better. And it, it's just to the point where Klintak needs to be gone by the end of this season. Yeah, well, what frustrates me the most is there are teams that had that were winning when we started tanking that tanked themselves mm-hmm. and are back to winning, and we're still spinning in circles. And I think their punishment should be beyond just being fired is when fans are allowed back in stadiums and we go back to the kid park, they should have to stand on the mound blindfolded as they just lob balls to the kids and just let them wail on them. Yep. And they should have to stand in the little pitching uh, pitching stand they have over there, too. 
And when they shoot the hot dogs at that wall, they should be strung up and constantly just being pelted by rubber hot dogs. And then kick them out. Get them out. Tell them to find their way home. No Ubers. Like, it's beyond a manager issue, and if you haven't realized that already, you're just fooling yourself. Yeah, this is it's clearly systemic, but it's certainly not making me pine for a Gabe Cather, by the way. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I know. I've just, I have seen some, like, weird romanticism about his time here. It's like, well, you know... Everything else sucks about the Phillies, but like Gabe also sucked. I'm sure, like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure that we should be uh, pining for him again. Yeah, I, I mean, know. like, don't get me wrong. I am thrilled Joe Girardi's here, and it's unfortunate that he's being thrown into this shitty situation with this team. Uh, but it's it's not his fault, and he's even taking accountability when he doesn't have to in his post game press conferences. Uh, but something needs to be done from the top down to to get this team back on track and it starts with getting rid of Matt Clintech. So hopefully, you know, somebody figures it out. I mean the the weird trade deadline is at the end of this month in a couple weeks, so we'll see if anything happens there. I doubt it. Um but that's your your Philadelphia Phillies. Will we be sellers or buyers? <laughs> Find out next time. Uh Philadelphia Union though unfortunately lost in the semifinals uh, of the MLS's back tournament. Lost the eventual winners, though. You take that. Yeah. Uh, they get back up and started August 25th, if I'm not mistaken. I believe. Um, I'm not too sure. How is that all working? Uh, terrifyingly so, um, because they want to have fans back in stadiums, which is, for all the good work the MLS did, uh, is really stupid. <laughs> in fact, I think tonight... Or when I, I'm not entirely positive when the Dallas game is, um, and the county that FC Dallas plays in is about as hot of a spot as you get. Yeah, eight thirty. Uh, they're allowing fans to be in the stadium. Mind you, this is a team that was removed from the bubble. We'll wait till you get a little of this. This was both teams that were removed. From oh, the fantastic! <laughs> This is the COVID bowl. <laughs> like this is the worst thing I've ever heard of. I mean, it's just it. It's beyond stupid. Um, I get the MLS wants to play these games out, but I, I think the only way this this really can work is is with a, a bubble experience, um, or you drastically reduce the time or uh, increase the time in between games. Right? You know, if the the trouble with baseball is you have so many games mm-hmm. compacted that. You're traveling so much, and the tests are so delayed for them. They're not even get even if you get them in twelve hours. Let's say you're already in a new city, potentially, right? right? And you may have already, you know, crossed a whatever. You know, if you have, you know, where you just play once a week, and this is why I do have some hope for the NFL, right? Where you have once a week, you fly in, play the game, you're home, and you can, you know, manage things there, right? That's going to be hard to manage, obviously, but you know, there's a little more flexibility than you have. I think baseball is. It's entirely unflexible. It's getting worse every time mm-hmm. you have an outbreak, too, because schedule gets even more compact. So, for me, if you're not going to have the bubble, that's the way to do it. Is spread out games as much as you can. And it should be as localized as you can, yes. too. Um, you know, that's obviously what baseball is trying to do, right? But, you know, you, you really should be trying to have, if you're not going to have a full bubble, have, like, mini bubbles and keep them regionalized or pick six cities and have, you know, four teams in each city, whatever, work it out however you can and have them play. I don't know. Which I heard, uh, shout out to friend of the show, John Bartrand. He is uh, the executive producer of 
the Water Boys podcast, and I saw a clip from one of their uh, shows that came out, I think today, that John retweeted, and one of their hosts um, brought up a pretty interesting and compelling concept for the NFL to have a bubble um, where you push the season back to October to kind of get it under uh, control and figure the logistics out, but you put eight teams in, say, New York, eight teams in Dallas, eight teams in California, and eight teams in, like, Michigan. So it's, like, regionalized. You play 14 games instead of 16, um, but you have, like, an eight-team regional bubble for each uh, area, and then you meet up for the playoffs. That, that's how it could work, and I think, you know, it's a shame, too, like, with L.A. that the the Rams, like, complex isn't done yet, because, I mean, that's yeah. that's meant to be housed for, like, a, an Olympic bid, yeah. right? So it could definitely hold the, the capacity that you're looking for. Um, and especially now with college football being off the table, pretty. I mean, there's obviously a few conferences, and the ones that you'd most expect to be yeah. holding out to the last minute here, um, still looking to play, that means that you could have NFL games on Saturday, too, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, if you can spread out games, right, reduce risk, that's obviously a benefit, but I... Um, yeah, say it's like, you know, you are you have eight teams, you play two games on Saturday, two games on yeah. Sunday. I and mean, why not just play it all throughout the week? Yeah. You know, like, it's been so awesome. I mean, that one of the only silver linings of this entire situation has been sports of all kinds this late into the, the summer, and that, you know, today we had playoff hockey at 11 a.m. Yeah. Like, that's great. I don't care who you are. That's nice to have, and why? What's the reason for not having the NFL on every night? We know they want to do it anyway. The NFL would eat that up if if they could. I mean, you already have NFL Monday night, Thursday night, Saturday, uh, Sunday all day, Sunday night. The only reason they can't do Saturday is because it's a federal law. And then you do Saturdays later in the season yeah. anyway. You have like two weeks of Saturday exactly. football as soon as they can. They're like Saturday's back. Playoffs. You have Saturday football. You know they like. Why not? You know, why why not spread it out and and do it that way? But to me, I, I don't know how all of this works without a bubble. Um, and the Union play August twenty first. By the way, they play the Revolution again. We'll see what happens with that game if, if it goes on. I don't know. Obviously, I don't want people to get positive, but I feel like especially letting fans in the stadium seems asinine. Incre- I mean, incredibly irresponsible. You know, it's it's not only stupid; it's just negligent. Um, like European teams are hopeful that by like October, November, they can have limited capacity in, in, in the, in the stadiums. Um, and even then, you know, the same precautions that are being taken, mm-hmm. the MLS will be taken there where you're screened before you come in. Um, you have masks on, right. They're probably going to be distanced throughout the crowd, but I mean, that's comparing Europe, which has handled this a lot better to America where you are playing a soccer game tonight in a County that has like, I think like a, a an obscene a amount bazillion. of cases, and there's like I think the math is on it. There's a 98 percent chance that at least one person at this game has COVID. <laughs> so I just think uh, it's it's a huge mistake to, to be even thinking about fans and stadiums right now. Just think of how can you get your season done? How can how can we play a season under these circumstances? That's it. That's all you should be focused on. Not getting ticket revenue because let's let's just be very frank. It's not happening. No, and and not for a foreseeable future. No. Um, I think that's all we got for you guys. Flyers about to uh, drop the puck very soon. My final thought, shout out to uh, Philadelphia's own Matt Rambo and South Jersey's own Bryce Young, back-to-back PLL champions with the Whip Snakes. Uh, way to bring it home for the local boys. And, uh, yeah, let's go Flyers. Any final thoughts, Matt? 
don't go to the FC Dallas game. <laughs> <laughs> if the Union have a home game, please don't go. Yes, please don't idea. go. Please don't go. Uh, let's do that hockey. As always, show sponsored by Main Auto LLC, Douche Arms Pro, Foot Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, check out our kick-ass merch provider, Design Tree, DSGNTree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia. Get your Let's Dance, Flyers Playoff t-shirts, your gritty streetwear that you see right behind Matt if you're watching on Twitch, and uh, all that good stuff, all of our Philly sports merch. DSGN5, promo code at checkout. Save you 5 bucks off your order. And, of course, our friends at Tomahawk Shades. Sign up for their rewards program. Earn Hawk points for every dollar you spend. All orders $75 and over right now qualify for free shipping. And if you use our promo code USP, they hooked us up big time to hook you guys up big time. Best promo code they have running. Saves you 25% off your entire order at checkout. Check out our friends at Tomahawk Shades, a quality product for an affordable price. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 256. We'll be back later this week talking about hopefully some Flyers wins, whatever the hell the Sixers and Phillies do. And uh, somehow we are about a month away from allegedly Eagles football. I I feel like NFL is pushing through no matter what. I agree. I, I think we will see the NFL. I, I am relieved that we have seen now that the Washington football team announced that there will be no fans in the stands to start the season. We'll see. We'll see. It's a DC team. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on social at Underground PHI, Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. And subscribe to the podcast. We are 41 five star ratings and reviews away from 300. Let's get there before the end of this Canadian series. Talk about the Flyers in your Apple Podcast review. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too. And you can check us out on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Back later this week talking about all that good stuff. But uh, until then, stay safe, wear your mask, don't be stupid. And like Matt said, don't go to any games. It's not worth it right now. Episode 256 in the books. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace.